Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can catch the show live weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, on demand, anytime you want. Just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, uh, and hit subscribe. You'll be notified whenever new episodes are uploaded. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ronis, on Instagram, at Aaron88. And find all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com, where we cover every single sport. You can go there now, and you can get your fantasy NASCAR rankings for the Toyota Owners 400. We also have prep for the Masters. Sean Childs has his tournament DFS game plan. Uh, also has the cheat sheet for the DraftKings Millionaire as well. And we'll have additional golf coverage as well. A mock draft from our editor, Matt Brandon. I have a mock draft up there. So there are several mock drafts from the staff that you can check out. Let us know where we're right, where we're wrong. And of course, Fantasy baseball coverage. My latest is a look at uh, looking at the fast starts of several players and whether it is for real, whether you can trust it. Zach Eflin, Matt Boyd, Jason Hayward are among the players. So check it out and find out what you should do and whether this can stick or not. So that's up there. I'll have my stock watch two-star pitchers this week as well. We have our fantasy weekly rankings from Sean Childs as well as his waiver wire article and a look at the closers and saves which obviously has been a pretty big nightmare so far this year with several teams not even naming a closer we also have you covered scoutdfs.com lots of great mlb coverage there already one article up for the day there's usually you know anywhere from two to three articles a day you have the optimizer slack chat leading up to lineup lock still got you covered for nba as well last night of the regular season tonight but of course there'll be dfs in the playoffs same with the nhl pga as the big Masters tournament begins tomorrow, so plenty of time to still get in there, set your lineup, NASCAR, MMA, as well as VegasWhispers.com, where they've been crushing it with their free bets. So even if you're skeptical, you don't want to pay, look at the free bets. You go to VegasWhispers.com and on Twitter, at VegasWhispers, where they document all the picks. Even if they lose, it's full transparency, so you can check that out. Gave away Seattle yesterday as a winner and once again they won so you could check all of that out and join us today and of course uh, also if you are into dynasty football and you're getting the itch to jump in a league especially with the draft two weeks from tomorrow uh, and of course we'll have all the coverage on that and there's already content up uh, looking at some of the Rookie running backs coming out. I did an article on the top five rookie running backs uh, to watch. A little scouting profile on them. We have quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends as well to get you a little taste. But uh, also, uh, you can go to playffwc.com 
right now for our new Dynasty startup drafts, uh, there's uh, some slow drafts with six and eight-hour clocks, uh, and then there's also some drafts beginning uh, Saturday, August I mean, August, April 27th at 9 a.m. Eastern. So you could head on over there now for some Dynasty Startup Drafts. Sign up uh, as well. So uh, there are six-hour clocks. Uh, there's actually one with a 12-hour clock and uh, one with an eight. So it all depends on what your preference is. But you can go out there and check it out now. PlayFFWC.com. I have Matt Modica from The Athletic coming up in the second segment to talk some baseball. But let's go over some of the latest baseball headlines right now. And, of course, if you went to bed early yesterday on the East Coast, you didn't see it, but you woke up to the news this morning that Mike Trout left last night's game after three innings due to a groin injury. He slid into second base. You can see him grab uh, near the groin, and he came out of the game. And we've just had so many injuries so far. And I know we kind of say this every year, but it really feels like there's been a ton. And maybe because I've personally been hit harder than ever before, I don't know. But we've seen a lot of players land on the injury list over the last few days. Let's hope that Mike Trout avoids it. They're saying it's a groin strain. He has listed his day-to-day, not expected to be in the lineup today. I believe they are off on Thursday, and they're hoping that he can return to the lineup on Friday. But remember, we get this optimism pretty much after every injury. Same thing we heard with Mike Clevenger. Yeah, it doesn't look too bad. Now he's not throwing up baseball for six to eight weeks. So we do get some of this optimism following the games and, We'll just have to wait and see how he feels today and tomorrow, but let's hope uh, that Mike Trout can return. I only have Mike Trout in one league. It is my keeper league. Uh, did not get any number one picks this year, but even if you don't have Trout in fantasy, uh, of course, if it's a big league, you don't want to see your opponent get Trout, but Trout's one of the fun players to watch, and especially if you get to stay up late and watch him West Coast baseball and see Trout's at-bats, it's definitely a big treat. So let's hope that he's healthy. Uh, The other injury from last night is Alex Bregman. He left the game in the eighth inning with a sore hamstring. So you hate to see that. That usually leads to the DL. Uh, We'll wait and see what the news is on Bregman. But that would be another big loss for fantasy owners. So we'll just have to wait and see what is happening with him. And, of course, Luis Severino, I think it came out late last night that he is dealing with a lat injury now. So that's going to add another six weeks. And, He's a guy that you might not see now till mid-June, maybe early July. Who knows? And now you have to make the tough decision of what to do with Severino. Now, if you're in a league with IL spots, it's not a tough decision. You just put him in the IL slot and hope that he comes back. But a lot of us play in leagues with no IL spots, especially in the high-stakes arena where you only have seven bench spots, and they're valuable. And you probably have multiple injuries right now, unless you're real lucky. So there might be a decision to be made, and you could see some teams with Luis Severino in that format potentially drop him this weekend. And then it comes down to, do you have the spot? You might be fortunate right now. Maybe you have seven reserve spots with no injuries. And if that is the case, good for you. Uh, I don't think that's the case for me in any of my leagues. I believe I have at least one injury in every single league There was one league where I had no injuries. The only guy was A.J. Minter. I activated him, and then right after, my Cleverger and Hinchin Ryu go down. So it's pretty much impossible right now to have a fantasy team with no injuries, but there might be a handful out there, and maybe you have the room to add a guy like Severino and wait if he is dropped. But it all depends on the roster context, where you are in the standings, and how many other injuries you have. But 
These are the tough decisions that a lot of teams are going to have to make over the next few days with the waiver wire approaching this weekend. Vladimir Guerrero is headed to AAA Buffalo. So he was 4 for 15 during a four-game rehab stint with High A Dunedin. And now uh, he'll probably be at AAA, I would say, a week or two. And uh, as he makes his way back from the left oblique injury, so uh, probably end of April. As, as I said at the time, I don't think you, if you were someone who really liked Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I didn't think you needed to downgrade him much because I didn't think he would miss much time. Uh, you know, we all expected mid-April. Okay, might be a little, a week or two after that. So uh, you're going to get fortunate. Now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, how quickly he adjusts to the majors and what does he do? Because we have seen Eloy Jimenez struggle a little bit, but nothing to be worried about. I mean, it happens with every player. Uh, one game here in the afternoon, there were supposed to be three, but the Rockies and Braves were postponed due to a blizzard in Colorado. So, uh, you know, Kevin Gossman is someone who I owned and with one start during the week at Coors Field, as good as he was his first start against Miami, I decided to bench him, and now he avoids Coors Field, and he will pitch at home against the Mets tomorrow, but it also potentially prevents him from getting a two-start week next week. We'll see what the Braves do. Uh, Mike Fultonewicz is scheduled to start on Sunday. They currently have that as a TBA, but Fultonewicz will be penciled in there. They're off Monday, uh, so they could potentially go back to Gossman on regular rest, or they could just stick with the rotation, so... Uh, tough break for, for Gossman owners. Uh, not that the Mets are, you know, an offense you want to pick on, but they do strike out quite a bit. And you'd much rather have a start in Atlanta than at Coors Field, even though we have seen uh, Max Freed pitch very well at Coors Field yesterday. But it's even with the Rockies lineup, not what it is because of some injuries. It's still not uh, an offense that you or an environment that you really want to send your pitchers there. So tough break for Gossman owners this week because I'm sure a lot of them probably had him reserved in weekly leagues. So the one game going on right now, it is the bottom of the six. The Tigers lead the Indians 4-1. to one. Trevor Bauer, not a great start for him today. This is not what you expect to see from Trevor Bauer after he had the seven no-hit innings in his previous outing, although the walks were high and it prevented him from going deeper into that game. Five and two-thirds innings today, 10 hits, four earned runs, a walk, seven Ks, and two home runs. He has just been... Removed from the game, 115 pitches, 75 for strikes for him. On the opposite side, someone who I wrote about today, and you can check it out on ScoutFantasySports.com, Matt Boyd, who's been one of the biggest surprises so far. He struck out a career-high 13 Yankees in his previous outing. Six innings, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and six strikeouts for Boyd. Uh, he has a 4-1 lead right now. His ERA is down to 2.60 on the season, and uh, he's got that real good slider. He doesn't throw that hard, 91-92, but an excellent slider. And the one thing about Boyd, too, is, and I mentioned this, last year he had a 1.16 whip over 170 innings. And a lot of people do not look at that category. And his ERA was four over 4, 4.39, I believe. But he had a really good second half. His whip in the second half was 1.08. And, yes, it's not a great team, but look at the division. That's what really stands out to me for a guy like Matt Boyd is he gets to go against the Indians offense, which right now is very shaky. Now we'll see if Francisco Lindor comes back soon. There was video of him today jogging slash sprinting, and I believe he took some uh, stood at the plate. 
So we'll see what his timetable is. So that'll definitely help the offense. Jason Kipnis could be back this weekend or early next week. Not that he's the answer, but it's certainly an improvement of what they have. But it's still an offense that is not potent unless they make some changes. There's also the Royals, the White Sox offense as well. Um, So it's a really good division. And obviously you cannot just look at the schedule because there's cancellations and weather. But the schedule ahead looks really appealing for Boyd. So Boyd is someone who I had in several leagues last year. And he wasn't a target of mine, but he was someone that I looked at late in drafts. I know I have him in at least two or three leagues. I think I do have him in a scout 44. I know I have him in my home league. I think I got him in the auction at the end for, I believe, a buck. I think I have him in an NFBC online league, and I might have him in a draft champion. So I definitely have a a few Matt Boyds. I I didn't tout him, like, get this guy, but he was one of those pitchers late that I wanted on my team and definitely pleasantly surprised by this start. Uh, So he's looked good so far, and he's in line to get a win today. Uh, For the Tigers, Nico Goodrum is two for two with a run, two RBIs and a walk, and he is homered. I did like Nico Goodrum coming into the year. He's someone that has uh, position flexibility that you can use. And I was a little surprised. I think some people tempered their expectations for Goodrum when they signed Josh Harrison. And I didn't understand it. There was a really good article in The Athletic before the year about some things that Goodrum worked on. This is an offense that's just not that good. And I thought there was enough playing time for Goodrum. Originally, it looked like he was going to be the second baseman. And then I guess with Harrison coming in, we knew he would play every day. But who was going to prevent him from getting at-bats in that outfield? You know, they'd find a way to put him in the outfield. He'd play all over the diamond is what I thought. You know, maybe some third base here, a little second base here. Today he's at first base as they have Miggy as the DH. So I felt like he was going to get playing time all around and produce. You know, this is a guy that last year had 16 homers. In 12 steals and 131 games, he only hit 245, but in today's environment, that's not that bad. And this is someone that you got after the 20th round. So he's my starting second baseman in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which is a 15-team league, 30 roster spots. So he also has you know, position flexibility where I can move him around, which is really important in that league, especially with you know so many injuries happening. And uh, I do have Alex Bregman in that league, so holding my breath, and hopefully he doesn't miss time. And if he does, I hope it's a minimal stint. But, you know, Goodrum is uh, – and coming in today, it's not like he was lighting it up. He's only hitting 257, no homers, four RBIs, and four runs. But he hits his first home run of the year. Uh, he's been hitting cleanup in this lineup too, and not a great lineup, but in front of him he's got Harrison, Castellanos, and Cabrera. And Castellanos, 346 OBP right now, Cabrera, 388. Uh, Goodrum's also been getting on base because he does walk a lot. You know, a walk rate of uh, 17.8% on the season. So uh, I expect Gurum to have a pretty good year because the playing time is going to be, be there. And uh, definitely glad to have him. Uh, John Hicks, homer today for the Tigers as well. He's behind the plate. Uh, and he, he's not been great this year. But, you know, as your second catcher, it's okay. Second catcher is a, a tough spot. Uh, but Boyd does leave after six innings. They turn it over to the bullpen with the Tigers up 4-1, to so we might see Shane Green again if the score holds. He already has seven saves on the year. Who would have thought that Shane Green would be leading the majors in saves right now? For the Indians, uh, Hanley Ramirez has driven in the low run. He's one for three. He's got a double. He's got five RBIs on the season, batting two twenty two with a three sixty four OBP, and I 
did pick him up in tout wars this past weekend. Just been ham- hammered by injuries. Got five guys on the DL, including my entire infield. So not much on the waiver wire and picked Hanley Ramirez up. So we'll see if he can get going. And they, they kind of need him right now as is he's inning fifth. Uh, other things uh, from yesterday that stood out real quick is uh, Austin Meadows. I mean, he's off to a really good start and not a surprise here. You know, he's got some pop. He's got some speed. You know, you might sit against some lefties, but nice start to the season for Austin Meadows. He's someone also was able to get in the middle rounds of drafts, and he certainly looked good so far. And we saw the potential last year. I know he didn't put up great numbers in the minors, but once he came to the big league level, he produced. And to get a guy in the middle rounds with that pop, that speed, certainly looking pretty good so far. When we return, I'm going to be joined by Matt Modica of The Athletic. We'll ask for his thoughts on Chris Sale. That was one of the big stories yesterday, and a lot of people are very concerned. Should you be? We'll hear from Matt next. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy. The worst thing you could have heard is he tore his rotator cuff. And he's out for the next year. This isn't even close to that. I'd rather him just be shut down for the year at this point. If he comes back and re-injures himself, You're Greg, s- then... You are sick. To me, you know, the worst thing you could have heard, he's shut down for six weeks. I this was the worst. I said it's one of... No! This is one of the best. <laughs> I disagree. Finding a new injury, Greg, on top of a rotator cuff is, and now having a Latin... What is the best very bad? Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Have a look at a few quick starters today and whether you can trust them or if it's a fluke. So you can check that out right now, scoutfantasysports.com. Joining me now to talk some more baseball, it is Matt Modica from The Athletic. Matt, how are you today? Oh, doing good. A little afternoon baseball, so that's always a bonus. Yeah, it is, even though we were supposed to get a little bit more, but we only got one game going on right now. Rockies-Braves obviously postponed due to a blizzard and the White Sox raise in the rain delay right now, but at least there is one game going on. It is better than none. Uh, 
how has this season treated you so far? I mean, I know it's early, but man, there it. I know it feels like we say this every year, but a lot of injuries so far, and to some important players as well. Yeah, no, there are a lot of good players that have uh, you know suffered the injury bug, and uh, you know, one of the biggest for me was you know Trey Turner, the guy that off, he looked like a superstar that. You know, first few days, hitting home runs, stealing multiple bases. But, you know, hopefully he's back in four to six weeks. Yeah, and what do you do? Because, you know, especially a guy like Turner, you're penciling on a lot of stolen bases. And as you mentioned, it could be four to six weeks. It's difficult to find that replacement on the wave wire. You just can't replace them. So what do you try and do if you're a Trey Turner owner and you're looking to kind of fill in the gaps while he's out? I mean, if I'm in a trade league and say I have excess power, you know, maybe I'm trying to make a move there in the high stakes where you can't trade, you're hoping that you have some depth or, you know, somebody else steps up to you during the interim. You know, maybe one of your lesser guys that you were hoping could be better than expected has a hot start. You know, those are certain things, you, you know, you're going to need to happen. But hopefully in the overall, you built a, you built a team of depth. No, that is true for sure. Uh, one of the big stories so far has been Chris Sale. He was on the mound yesterday. The velocity was up. The results weren't there. Do you look at it as a positive encouragement, or are you still worried because the Blue Jays did put up pretty good numbers on him, and that's a lineup you'd expect Sale to dominate, or is it still just early and he'll be fine? Well, I mean, I think the Blue Jays were, like, smacking him around the yard. Uh, I was watching the game. The first inning was very encouraging. But the velocity did not hold, and, you know, his command was just completely off, you know, as the game went through. And I, I was confused and depressed. I don't even know Chris Sale, but I'm such a fan of the guy that I'm rooting hard for him, and you don't want to see great players go through this. So something's not right. I mean, I personally, if I'm the Red Sox, maybe I give him the 10-day uh, IL or whatever, was it 15 now? Did you go back to 15? I don't even remember. It's so damn confusing with all this stuff. But maybe a week or two off, you know, let him throw on the side and get things ready for the rest of the season, being that, you know, he was slow-rolled in spring training. Yeah, and so a trade was made in my home league with Sale. Uh, the owner traded Chris Sale and Lou Trevino for Xander Bogarts and Yasiel Puig. And I know it always depends on what you need. But what do you think of that deal? I mean, it's probably it's, aren't those deals tough to evaluate, isolated? You know, people always ask me, "Oh, who won this trade?" I'm like, it's not about winning the trade; it's about improving your team, and you kind of need context. But do you feel that owner maybe said made the right move, cashing in on sale now, or would you have remained patient? I, if I had pitching, or you know, obviously sale had to be one of his top guys. But if I had, a, you know, some pitching that I thought was good enough and I just didn't believe Sale's coming back. I kind of liked it. It was Puig and I think a second player, but Xander I like Bogarts. both guys you mentioned. Yeah, Xander Bogarts. I mean, he got two really good guys. I know Puig has struggled out of the gate, but I think, you know, that's a, that's a nice uh, trade for Chris Sale at this current state. Well, the guy who traded Bogarts and Puig, and I'm not kidding, this guy probably – does an average of two trades per week, he would absolutely not know what to do with himself in the NFPC. <laughs> yeah, you know what? So over time, I was like that at one point when I first started on Yahoo, but I, can't, I do not like trade leagues at all now. 
I really don't want to play in one. Is it? Why is that? I mean, you've obviously been accustomed to playing in the NFBC where there is no trades and there's big money on the line. And obviously, you have to worry about collusion when heavy money is involved. Is it just you've become accustomed to that format, or is it a headache? Because it, it, does it take time? What is it that have kind of soured you on leagues with trades? Uh, I think it goes from football, too. And it's not even the high stakes area. You know, there's always going to be people complaining about the trade. It's unfair. If I'm making a move for what I think makes my team better, if, you know, it all depends on the time of the season, you know, maybe in a couple of months. I see these are the categories I need. You know, I'm strong in these other ones. So other people are just going to, you know, friends. I've had friends in football leagues, you know, say I was colluding and stuff. And that's kind of, you know, that's kind of insulting, number one. But just, I, I don't like it. And other people make terrible trades. So I think by not having it, it makes your draft that much more important. And it makes your waiver wire pickups, you know, tremendously important as well. How you either spend the money or use that waiver wire pick. It makes it much more of a uh, tactical thing, at least in my opinion now. I, I don't think you have any headaches. Yeah, yeah, and it does happen for certain people. And I still play in a, a couple leagues with trades, although I typically don't make a lot of trades because I think it takes time. I think you really have to sit there and look at other people's rosters and say, okay, what do they need? Because you don't want to waste time sending insulting officers. And people send me some of the most insulting offers. And I'm like, you, you, I'm like, you guys know what I do, right? That, like, I do this full time. Like, you think I'm going to bite on these sucker trades? And I try not to fire anything back and can i say one thing yeah just because you just because you mentioned in that like the insulting office and stuff there's nothing more insulting than when somebody else tells you what you need for your team i find that to be the height of you know that makes me so furious oh uh, yeah when people give you a paragraph response like hey i looked at your team you can really <laughs> use this guy so let me give you this guy Okay, so you're telling you're you're trading him. You love him so much, and he's so valuable. But you're gonna give him away to me. So, uh, and sometimes the trades that you make that do, that are declined. I think it was. Uh, so I offered someone. This was like right when the season started. I had an extra middle infielder uh, just because it was an auction and. I had Cattell Marte. I thought he was going to go higher, and the bidding stopped, and I got him. And then Jorge, Jorge Polanco came out, and I love Jorge Polanco, and I got him. And I said, all right, this is a daily league, and I kind of have an excess here. So I offered Cattell Marte for Sonny Gray before this season started because I like Sonny Gray this year going to Cincinnati, and I needed another pitcher. He declined and countered with, like, Sonny Gray for, like, a really good bat. I think it was yeah, the Bogarts or something. Yeah, like, and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, wh I offered you a fair deal here, and I'm kind of glad now that I kept Cattell Marte because he's been pretty good and he has eligibility at second short now field. So, uh, thank you for declining that trade, and I'll just deal with uh, my excess middle infielders. But it's just, I don't understand why people try to insult you when they know what you do. I'm not saying I know everything, but you know that you're probably not going to pull a fast one on me. Well, I think in general, the problem I learned is when I wanted to get a trade done at the end of my trading league experience, I had to like kind of lose the trade a little. It was the only way that it was going to go through. Unless that person felt they won that trade, I would not make a trade. It just you know that, what happened. And that's a good point, too, because 
you could essentially lose the trade in the eye of someone who is objective, but it could still improve your team, and that's the ultimate goal. Exactly. I think that I think that's part of the reason why <laughs> trades become so difficult for people is they want to win the trade because that's the question I get asked the most. Hey, I made this trade. Who won it? And that's not, not the point. I think people don't understand that. You could essentially – we could look at it in trades and say, oh, I like this side, but – the other side might help you improve your team more, and that's the ultimate goal. And I think people don't grasp that a lot. Yeah, no, you're 100 right. All right, let's take a look at uh, a guy like Daniel Vogelbach. I know he was going in the waiver wire this past weekend, and uh, one of the things that concerned me was like, okay, where's this guy going to play? And we know how baseball is. If you hit, you'll get in the lineup. And we've seen that. The guy's on fire. They sat Mitch Hanniger yesterday, Malik Smith the day before. The Mariners are on fire right now. One of the biggest surprises so far. What do you think happens with this offense, specifically Vogelback, going forward? Oh, I think Vogelback gets the opportunity to play this year. I remember spring training, one of the few takeaways I did get, we was an interview with DePoto where he said this year he will get an opportunity. And look, uh, Jay Bruce has seven home runs and has like 65% fly balls. But Jay Bruce is back like 190. And Jay Bruce will once the Mariners go like two for two of eight in like a a ten game span, and the, and the playoffs aren't really you know in their window, which they weren't supposed to be this season anyway. We'll see, guy. You know, we'll see like Jay Bruce is going to get traded to a team that needs that extra bat or something. They want him off the books. And look, Vogelback could be this year's Max Muncy. I mean, Max Muncy last year was basically like getting. Reese Hoskins on the waiver wire. They even had a better average. So, <laughs> well, okay. You the points are valid because I think we do think that the Mariners are going to make a trade, whether it's at Carnacion or Bruce. But that might not be till July at this point. I mean, you not they're not going to make a deal now. So, will Vogelbach get enough? I, I think he's getting in a lineup. I think he will get enough at bats. If, if I was bidding, I bid heavily on Clint Frazier. That was my target this week. You know, my conditional bids had Vogelback in there, had Tapier in there. I happened to win Clint Fraser pretty almost everywhere. Not everywhere, but almost. So that was my guy. That's the guy I think can really help me on uh, multiple categories. But I think Vogelback's a kid. Everybody always, all you ever heard was this kid can really hit. This kid can really hit. He never got an opportunity. He can never play a position. And I think what we're seeing right now, how he's hitting the ball so hard. You know, with all this new stat cast and, you know, all this data we have. So, uh, Seattle, like I said, they're going to have a week where they're going to go one and six. And, you know, they're not going to be 10 and two anymore. And I don't think, look, they don't have the pitching to sustain this neither. But Vogelback, I believe, will get the opportunities. They got to put Bruce in the outfield or whatever, you know, move him around, get him in, you know, put, you know, put him at first, maybe. I, I don't know, but. I do believe the at-bats will be there for him. Talking to Matt Modica from The Athletic, Philly's bullpen, it's a mess right now. We have no idea who the closer is. We thought it might be David Robertson or Sir Anthony Dominguez before the year. Both guys haven't pitched well. We saw Dominguez coming in the sixth yesterday. Or, no, was it the or Yeah, it was the sixth for Dominguez, right? Or the seventh. And Neris and I think it was the sixth or the seventh. It might have been the yeah. seventh. Or yeah. Neris definitely came in before the ninth. That right. He, Neris came in the eighth and he did 30 <laughs> pitches to get out of it. He did walk two, but he did escape. Ramos came in for the ninth, blew the save to Victor Robles' home run. 
Uh, what are we doing with the Phillies bullpen right now? I'm sure Robertson and Domingers are owned. We saw Neris go for decent money, depending on your league in the NFBC over the weekend. You know, what do you think happens with this Phillies bullpen right now? Look, I think there's a treasure trove of saves to be had. So unless they're going to sign like a Greg Kimball or make a trade, you know, for Giles or Will Smith, I think you want to own one of Robertson or Dominguez. I think they're the two best arms there. Look, Nellis, I think, will get some save opportunities in there regardless. But say you own uh, Robertson or you own Dominguez, that's a possible 20-save guy. I think the same holds true for, like, Minnesota. Well, I think Trevor May and Rodgers are better than Parker, but I think May somehow has up to 20 saves this year. Yeah, that's another one, too. We saw May coming in the sixth <laughs> inning yesterday, and everyone's like, oh, Blake Parker's the closer. Then Blake Parker comes in the seventh inning of a 7-3 game. So <laughs> Rocco Baldelli wasn't lying when he said, yeah, I'm not naming a closer. So it just makes it real difficult now uh, for saves. But at the same time, does that mean is it a little bit easier to compete in the category because there's less saves from one arm in several bullpens now, and you just want to get at least one good closer and then try and fill in the gaps in a 15-team league? Is that kind of the way to go? Is that how you approached it this year in your drafts? That's exactly how I, how, how I approached it. Uh, one of the guys in auctions and in drafts I was really targeting was uh, Jose Alvarado. He's not going to get all the savings. You've seen uh, Diego Castillo get in there and get some opportunities too. But you want a guy that's going to get the bulk of it and then hopefully you figure it out. You know, Hopefully... You know, if you have one of those other guys on those other teams, they get 15 to 20 saves. You pick up some saves along the way. There's going to be opportunities here. Just wait till the trading. And I do think another thing, too, the trading will happen much sooner this year. Being that there's only one trade deadline. And, you know, teams that really want to make that move, like a team like Minnesota, I think this is a perfect year for them to be really aggressive. You know, once teams start making players available, they need another pitcher. They need, a, they need another arm in that bullpen and they can really separate or overtake the Indians. So I think it's really going to be fun watching how these teams, you know, uh, start wheeling and dealing earlier on this year. Yeah, that is definitely more than likely going to happen as well. Uh, Herman Marquez, not a good start yesterday at Coors Field. Five innings, five earned runs. Uh, were you drafting Marquez this year? Did you think the price was too high? We know he has good stuff. But he, could he come close to what he did last year, or is it going to be a bumpy road this year? Look, I thought what he did in the second half last year was outstanding. I thought his price was too high in like the fourth round of a 15-teamer. I kept seeing. I, and I kept saying, I just I don't want to have to try and conquer cores. I got him on one team in my bigger leagues. That was my solo main out in Vegas. I got him at 6'10". And at 6'10", I, was, I, was, I had no problems taking him there. Look, he's going to have some bumpy starts at home. I think he's a really good pitcher. And, you know, look, it's just tough fighting off course. And he finished the year strong, of course, on his final six starts. But I think you're just going to have to deal with that at times. And maybe some home starts, you may have to bench him. But I think you can work around it for the most part. Well, especially if the ball is juiced like it appears so far. I mean, <laughs> I mean, last oh, night at City Field, it was like, you know, cool night, and the ball was flying out of the park. I was like, what the hell's going on here, man? So it certainly appears early on in the season, and that ball is juiced once again. Yeah, I mean, 10 home runs on him. 
Yesterday was cold. We've had some nice weather. Yesterday in the daytime, it was like a high of 50 and it was cold. And at night, it was really damp and dreary. Ten home runs in that park. You got Tommy Lasteller out west hitting two home runs in a game. Uh, Jared Dyson hitting his second home of the year for a walk-off. I mean, this ball is, you know, it's, it's juice to the gills, I think. De- definitely. <laughs> and we haven't even had the warm weather yet. Uh, Matt, let people know uh, what you got going on at the Athletic right now. Oh, sure. Uh, every Sunday I have the two start pitches for the week, and I give a little uh, my overview of the landscape of starting pitching. And this weekend I'll have will be the premiere of Made Out Melfiore's uh, podcast, so check it out. All right, Matt, always good talking to you, and uh, we will talk sometime soon. Thanks a lot, Adam. All right, that is Matt Modica. Check him out, theathletic.com. When we return, we'll wrap up the show looking at some of the lineups for the slate tonight as we get you ready for DFS as well as setting your lineup in your seasonal leagues. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Lose weight now. Go to Fat100.com. Lose that unwanted belly fat today and get free information at Fat100.com. Fit in the dress or pants or bathing suits you've always wanted to. Go to Fat100.com. Lose 10, 20, or more pounds immediately. Go to Fat100.com. For free information on how you can lose weight, go to Fat100.com. Fat100.com. That's Fat100.com. Are you single? Everyone single is looking for the best date possible. Well, I found one website that can find you the best date, and it's called TheBestDate100.com. Just go there and log in for your free trial and see if you can find your new and maybe last best date. Remember, you can find the best date of your life at TheBestDate100.com. That's TheBestDate100.com. One more time, TheBestDate100.com. The morning after. When I lived in Vegas, I actually became like an old person with the early birds and stuff like that. And my girlfriend at the time, like, didn't like it. They said, Tyler, listen, we got to go eat now. She's like, it's 5 o'clock. I'm like, that's when the deal is at the buffet from 5 to 6. So it's like, it's like, why would we pay double, like, when we could go now, right? And she goes, nobody eats dinner at 5 o'clock. I'm like, we do. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTS Radio and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Wednesday afternoon. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. My latest is a look at four players in baseball off to fast starts. Can you trust them? Is there anything here that indicates, yes, this could be a breakout year? They're all players selected late in the draft. So some of them 
might not even have been drafted. And maybe some are available in your league. So check out the article now. Of course, we got coverage for the Masters, the cheat sheet for the DraftKings Millionaire from Sean Childs, and as well as the DFS game plan from Sean Childs for the Masters. We have fantasy NASCAR rankings and uh, several mock drafts from people on the staff, including myself. We got one from Matt Brandon that is up right now, as well as a look at some of the top rookies for fantasy purposes at quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. I did one for the running back position. And you can always ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want at scoutfantasysports.com. So become a member today. Get access to a lot of great tools. DailyRoto.com projections are now live for the 2019 Masters Tournament where Rory McIlroy is the top-priced option. If you are not a member, go for the green with DailyRoto.com and use promo code MASTERS19 for a 10% discount off their premium fantasy golf and betting tools. That's 10% off DailyRoto.com premium fantasy golf and betting tools with promo code MASTERS19, DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Quite a few games on the slate tonight, and we got some lineups. So let's take a look. Uh, the White Sox and Rays are in a rain delay right now. It looks like they should get that game going at some point. Uh, Tyler Glass now opposing Reynaldo Lopez. Here is the lineup for the Rays. Austin Meadows leading off in right field. Tommy Pham in left field hitting second. G-Man Choi at first base hitting third. Brandon Lau at second base hitting cleanup. Avisail Garcia, who homered yesterday, batting fifth at DH. Kevin Kiermeyer off to a nice start. Now we all know, can he stay healthy? And that's always been a big question mark. He's in center field hitting sixth. Daniel Robertson at third base, batting seventh. Mike Zunino is the catcher hitting eighth. And Willie Adamas at shortstop, batting ninth. Adamas was off to a nightmare start, but he's really picked it up over the last few games and starting to get going. For the White Sox, Lurie Garcia leading off in center field. Yuan Moncada at third base, hitting second. Uh, off to a great start this year. Jose Abreu at first base hitting third. Yonder Alonso is the DH hitting cleanup. Eloy Jimenez batting fifth in left field. Tim Anderson's at short hitting sixth. Wellington Castillo behind the plate hitting seventh. Daniel Palka, he's off to a rough start trying to trace, chase Chris Davis. I believe he's over for 21. He's in right field hitting eighth. And Yomer Sanchez at second base batting ninth. Coming up. In just a couple minutes, the Padres are in San Francisco. Nick Marjavicious against Derek Rodriguez for the Padres. Leading off, Manny Margot in center field. Eric Hosmer at first base. Manny Machado's at third base hitting third. Hunter Renfro back in the lineup again hitting cleanup in right field. He homered yesterday. So you know, we always say that these team things tend to pan out. The Padres outfield has been a source of constant stress of deciding who's going to play. Now, it was alleviated just a little bit with Franchi Cordero going on the injured list, but Renfro has hit very well so far. I did make the mistake, though, of dropping him in a 12-team league uh, a week or two ago. Uh, he was actually dropped in one of my 15-team leagues, too. So, uh, you know, I could understand people were getting impatient, especially if you were in a uh, weekly format. It was really difficult, but, you know, it's just kind of a, an example of sometimes you just need to stay patient because injuries do occur. We're seeing that now. Now, it doesn't ensure Renfro is going to play every day, but as long as you hit, you will be in the lineup, and he's uh, been hitting lately. Will Myers in left field hitting fifth. Mejia's behind the plate today uh, hitting sixth. Ian Kensler dropped from the top of the order, now hitting seventh at second base. Luis Urias at shortstop hitting eighth, and Nick Marjavicious on the mound hitting ninth. Fernando Tatis Jr. getting the day off today. For the Giants, Kevin Pillar off to a good start. With his new team, he's leading off in center field. Steven Duger 
and right field hitting second. Tyler Austin recently acquired. Uh, he is in left field hitting third. Buster Posey at first base today hitting cleanup. Brandon Crawford at shortstop hitting fifth. Evan Longoria at third base hitting sixth. And Jarvis Solarte is at second base hitting seventh. Eric Kratz behind the plate hitting eighth. And Derek Rodriguez on the mound hitting ninth. Brandon Bell out of the lineup today against a left-hander. They've been playing him a little bit in the outfield lately with Tyler Austin playing some first base. And you know the deal with Belt. He's a good hitter when he's healthy, but he tends to get injured. And unfortunately, that ballpark really crushes him. I would love to see Brandon Bell in another park. Miami takes on the Reds, 6.40 p.m. Eastern. Trevor Richards against Tyler Molly of the Reds for the Marlins, leading off Curtis Granerson in left field. Miguel Rojas is at shortstop batting second. Neil Walker at first base hitting third. Starlin Castro, the cleanup hitter at second base. Jorge Alfaro, the catcher, hitting fifth. Luis Brinson in center field batting sixth. Martin Prado at third base batting seventh. Peter O'Brien in right field hitting eighth. And Trevor Richards on the mound batting ninth. For the Reds, Yasiel Puig will serve the second game of his two-game suspension. Jesse Winker leading off in right field. Joey Votto at first base hitting second. Don't know if you saw the video yesterday, but Wei-Yin Chen came in, hit Votto. Votto picked up the ball and threw it back to Chen, something you don't really see much. Matt Kemp in left field hitting third. He did homer yesterday. Eugenio Suarez is at third base hitting cleanup. Scott Shebler in center field batting fifth. Derek Dietrich at second base hitting sixth. Tucker Barnhart behind the plate, batting seventh. Jose Iglesias at shortstop, hitting eighth. And Tyler Molly on the mound, batting ninth. The A's are in Baltimore, 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Frankie Montas against Dan Straley. For the A's, Robbie Grossman leading off in left field. Marcus Semien at shortstop, hitting second. He homered yesterday. Matt Chapman at third base, hitting third. Chris Davis is the DH, hitting cleanup. Kendrys Morales at first base, batting fifth. Chad Pinder. In right field, hitting six, so he gets a, another start here uh, with uh, Stephen Piscotti getting a day off. Jerickson Profar finally got going. Five RBIs in a home yesterday. He's hitting seventh at second base. Ramon Laureano in center field, hitting eighth. And Nick Cumley behind the plate, batting ninth. For the Orioles, Cedric Mullins leading off in center field. And talked about this yesterday. I just don't understand why they just don't let this kid play. They've sat him against some left-handers. He's a switch hitter. It's not like he's great, but the Orioles are going nowhere. See what you got and just let him play. Dwight Smith is in left field, batting second. Jonathan Villar at short, batting third. Trey Mancini off to a sizzling start. He's at first base hitting cleanup. Renato Nunez is the DH hitting fifth. Rio Ruiz at third base, batting sixth. Joey Ricard in right field hitting seventh. Jesus Sucre is the catcher hitting eighth. And Hanser Alberto at second base hitting ninth for the Orioles. The Nationals are in Philadelphia to take on the Phillies. Jeremy Hellickson making his first start of the year. They haven't needed a first starter, so they skipped him. Nick Pavetta on the mound for the Phillies. He has not been good so far, so we'll see if he can get deep in a game. That's been one of the issues for him. A lot of people expect big things from him this year, but it has not been a great start for him. Adam Eaton leads off in right field. Brian Dozier at second base, batting second. Anthony Rendon at third base, hitting third. Juan Soto with a monstrous home run last night in extra innings. To help lead the Nationals to victories, hitting cleanup in left field. Matt Adams at first base getting the start today. Ryan Zimmerman takes a seat. Jan Gomes is the catcher hitting sixth. Wilmer Defoe at shortstop batting seventh. Hellickson on the mound hitting eighth. And Victor Robles in center field hitting ninth. I would like to see them move Robles up in the order. He had a big home run yesterday in the ninth inning to tie the game for the Nationals. For the Phillies, Andrew McCutcheon leading off in left field. Gene Segura is at shortstop batting second. 
Bryce Harper in right field hitting third. Reese Hoskins at first base hitting cleanup. JT Romuto behind the plate hitting fifth. Odebel Herrera in center field hitting sixth. Cesar Hernandez at second base hitting seventh. Mikel Franco at third base hitting eighth. And Nick Pavetta on the mound hitting ninth. So while Gabe Kapler has messed around with the bullpen and changed the roles and really hasn't had a set closer, he really has kept the lineup consistent. That's pretty much the same lineup we are seeing night in, night out. The Twins at City Field to take on the Mets. Jake Odorizzi against Noah Syndergaard for the Twins. Max Kepler leading off in right field. Jorge Polanco at shortstop batting second. He's off to a great start hit for a cycle over the weekend. Good at bats yesterday and really liked Polanco going into the year. He was really cheap too. You got him as a middle infielder even in 15-team leagues and uh, like the production you're getting so far. Uh, hitting second in that lineup in a really good spot and expect him to put up good all-around numbers this year. Williams Estadio again in the lineup. He's playing third base tonight, hitting third. Eddie Rosario's in left field hitting cleanup. C.J. Crone at first base, batting fifth. Mitch Garver is the catcher, batting sixth. Jonathan Scope at second base, batting seventh. Byron Buxton, who's been hitting, he's in center field hitting eighth. And Jake Odorizzi, who was Dominant in his first start and couldn't get out of the first inning in his last start. We'll see what he can do tonight against the Mets. For the Mets, leading off, Brandon Nimmo in center field. So it looked like he finally had some good at-bats yesterday. Homered after striking out his first time up. So we'll see if he can get going again. He's pretty cheap in DFS tonight. Pete Alonso on fire. Two more home runs yesterday. He is at first base batting second. Robinson Cano at second base hitting third. Michael Conforto, another guy on fire. In right field, hitting cleanup, gets another right-hander as he's homered in three straight games. Wilson Ramos back in the lineup today after getting a day off. Travis Darno was behind the plate his first game since coming off the injury list. Ramos back in the lineup tonight, hitting fifth at the catcher position. Jeff McNeil in left field, hitting sixth. Ahmed Rosario is the shortstop, hitting seventh. J.D. Davis getting another start at third base, but pushing him down the lineup against the right-hander. He is hitting eighth. Noah Syndergaard on the mound, batting ninth. For the Yankees, they are in Houston to take on the Astros. It is going to be uh, James Paxton against Colin McHugh. For the Yankees, Brett Gardner leading off in center field. Aaron Judge in right field inning second. Luke Voigt is the DH hitting third. Glaber Torres clean up tonight at the shortstop position. And one of the issues with Torres going into the year was the batting order. It looked like he was going to hit seven, eight, or nine. And Things quickly change, and we do do a lot of analysis in the preseason based on the batting order, but one of the things I had said is these things can change, and we know injuries are going to happen, and obviously the Yankees were hit with a lot of injuries, and it's pushed up Torres, uh, so it's definitely helped him out. We have not really seen it benefit Victor Robles yet. I thought with a Trey Turner injury, it would move him up, but it hasn't happened yet. Still, it could, especially if Brian Dozier continues to struggle, so that's something to keep an eye on. Greg Bird's at first base, hitting fifth. DJ LeMayhew is at third base, hitting sixth. Clint Frazier in left field, hitting seventh. Austin Romine behind the plate, hitting eighth. And Tyler Wade's at second base, hitting ninth. So no Gary Sanchez tonight. He sits out. They could have used him at the DH. They elect to give him the night off. For the Astros, no Alex Bregman in the lineup tonight. Not a surprise. He left yesterday's game with a hamstring strain in. That's something you have to be very careful with. You don't want to push that. So he gets the night off. We'll see whether they place him on the DL or not. But fantasy owners definitely paying close attention to that. Bregman was taken late first round, early second round in a lot of drafts. George Springer leading off in right field. Jose Altuve is at second base, hitting second. 
Michael Brantley is in left field hitting third. Carlos Correa is at short hitting cleanup. Yuli Gurriel at third base batting fifth. Tyler White is the DH hitting sixth. He has not gotten consistent playing time. I think people thought he would get more at bats. Aledmus Diaz is at first base batting seventh. That is something that they talked about last week that they were going to use him at first base a little bit more and you know, maybe he gets uh, some more playing time, too, if Alex Bregman does indeed miss time. That would open it up for him, making him someone to look at in deeper formats. Max Stassi behind the plate, batting eighth, and Jake Marisnik in center field, hitting ninth. Tonight, we got the Dodgers in St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. Kenta Maeda against Jack Flaherty for the Dodgers. Jack Peterson leading off in left field. Corey Seegers at short, batting second. Justin Turner at third base, hitting third. Uh, one of the best hitters in baseball so far, Cody Bellinger at first base hitting cleanup. Max Muncy at second base hitting fifth. Alex Verdugo in right field hitting sixth. He was definitely picked up by a lot of people over the weekend. Uh, Chris Taylor's in center field batting seventh. Austin Barnes is the catcher hitting eighth. And Kenta Maeda is on the mound hitting ninth. And the Rays and White Sox are underway, and it didn't take long for the Rays to jump out to a 2 nothing lead. Tommy Pham just went yard. A two-run homer, so just like that, 2 nothing lead, two batters in the Rays as Reynaldo Lopez on the mound for the White Sox. For the Cardinals, Matt Carpenter leading off at third base. Paul Goldschmidt's at first base, batting second. Paul DeYoung at short, hitting third. Marcelo Ozuna's in left field, hitting cleanup. If you have not seen the play for Marcelo Ozuna yesterday, go look it up. Look for a video. Marcelo Ozuna went to the left field wall, hopped on the wall like he thought the ball was going to go out and he was going to need to rob a home run. Then realized, oh, it's on the warning track. So he tried to desperately get back to the ball, made a, a, a dive for it, and it did not look good. And um, uh, it was an ugly play, so check it out. Also here, it looks like the Cardinals appear to have worked out an agreement with Matt Carpenter. His deal expires at the end of the season. So uh, it's uh, being reported by Derek Gould, who covers the team. So it looks like uh, another player potentially Agreeing to an extension, something we have seen quite a bit. So we'll see if that becomes official. But that's being uh, reported on right now. Uh, for the Cardinals, Adier Molina batting fifth. He's catching Dexter Fowler in right field, hitting sixth. Colton Wong at second base, batting seventh. Harrison Bader in center field, hitting eighth. And Jack Flaherty on the mound for the Cardinals. The Pirates are in Chicago to take on the Cubs. Jordan Lyles against Hugh Darvish for the Pirates. Adam Frazier at second base, leading off. Starling Marte in center field hitting second. Francisco Cervelli is catching hitting third. Josh Bell at first base hitting cleanup. Colin Moran at third base hitting fifth. Melky Cabrera in right field hitting sixth. Jason Martin in left field hitting seventh. Eric Gonzalez at shortstop. And then Jordan Lyles on the mound hitting ninth. For the Cubs, Daniel Descalso at second base leading off. Chris Bryant at third base hitting second. Anthony Rizzo at first base hitting third. Javier Baez at short hitting cleanup. Kyle Schwarber is in left field hitting fifth. Wilson Contreras off to a good start. He's the catcher hitting sixth. Jason Hayward, uh, learned a little bit more about him. Wrote about him in ScoutFantasySports.com today, so check it out there. He's in right field hitting seventh. Albert Amore in center field hitting eighth. And Hugh Darvish on the mound hitting ninth. For the Royals, they're at home against the Mariners. Kikuchi against Heath. Phil Meyer of the Royals. Whit Merrifield leads off in right field, looking to extend that hitting streak to 31. Billy Hamilton moved up in the order today. He's in center field, hitting second. He scored on a sack fly to center field from second base yesterday. The center fielder did fall down, and the play, well, there was a play at the plate. It was relatively close, but Hamilton made it. So, top of the uh, order today, hitting second. Alberto Mondesi 
hitting out of Berger Modesty at shortstop hitting third. Jorge Soler, the DH hitting cleanup. Swindell at first base hitting fifth. Chris Owings at second base hitting sixth. Hunter Dozier at third hitting seventh. Cam Gallagher is the catcher hitting eighth. And Terrence Gore in left field hitting ninth for the Royals today. Uh, still no lineup for the Mariners. They're probably trying to decide, okay, who are we going to sit today? Because they need to get uh, the uh, Daniel Vogelbach in there. Uh, the Rangers, they're in Arizona. Robbie Ray against Lance Lynn. The Brewers are in Anaheim to take on the Angels. It'll be Brandon Woodruff against Felix Pena. So that's the slate for tonight. So most of the lineups are in. And the good thing about baseball is you get mostly all the lineups in before lineup lock at 7 p.m. Eastern. And that's one of the positive things. Complete antithesis uh, for the NBA, which is why again, a lot of guys in the NBA are sitting tonight. So if you are playing NBA DFS, make sure you check that out. But that wraps it up here. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, for all your fantasy baseball needs. Ask your questions on the message boards and the forums. I'll be back Thursday afternoon with Dr. Roto, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.